everybody. Uh, welcome to the Rec Poker podcast. Uh, you'll kind of notice today that it's a little bit of a different format. Uh, just me flying solo. There have been a few uh, family emergencies on the Rec Poker side of things. So we're not doing a panel discussion today. We're just uh, having me in conversation with one of our favorite guests. So uh, as always, a reminder, uh, Rec Poker podcast is sponsored by Running Aces uh, Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino, as well as website AMP. Uh, so please check out those sponsors. We couldn't do this without them. Uh, so without uh, further ado, I just want to bring our, our guest into the show, uh, welcoming back Ryan LaPlante to the Rec Poker uh, Nation. Uh, Ryan, how are you doing? Doing great. Yeah, yeah. No, everything's going really well. Um, things are really kicking off here in Vegas. Like over the next, well, today actually I'm playing a $2,500 buy-in. Oh, and yeah. And over the next like month I'm playing... Another 2,500 to 3,500, some big 1,600s, uh, 10K, 10 mil. Like, it's popping. Yeah, actually, the next, like, month of poker is the busiest month in Las Vegas outside of the World Series. So really? It's pretty really? Insane. Yeah, it yeah. seems like they've got some amazing schedules going on. Yeah, just, yeah. Like, just really. Do you feel – what? How, how do you feel like the, the poker – I mean, does it feel like – is it completely back to normal? Are there yeah, still some sort of? Back, I would say it's back to normal here. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Vegas recently just got rid of mask mandates, and the strip now has really been like super busy. So it feels like it did, you know, in the olden days. Right. Back, um, and also, like, I feel so everyone's just like, you know, kind of over everything as well. Like, you know, everyone's a lot more upbeat and happy and like <laughs> it, it really does feel like everything is just like back to normal which is yeah. which is very nice you know obviously there's still like some risk and all that jazz but i think it's lowered enough that you know unless you have like really bad comorbidities or you're you know immunocompromised you know poker is here it's back we're going strong um and i'm really excited about the next you know six plus weeks of stuff i get to play yeah. Uh, that's great. Do you see and uh, field sizes? Do you think they're they're back to comparable? Oh pre, yeah, pre yeah, yeah. yeah. Like uh, yesterday, I played a one day eleven hundred um, at the Venetian, and it had two hundred entries. Nice. Wow. Just one day eleven hundred, two hundred wow. entries. Wow. I mean, obviously, that's... it's at the start of all this stuff coming up, but it's just like every tournament that's been ran the last month has been hitting no problem um really crushing pretty decent size guarantees too everything else that's been going on like that mspt event last week um had 1100 entries um so you know things are going really strong in the next you know when's doing the 1600 mystery bounty next week <laughs> i would put the line at minimum a thousand entries for that wow. it, it's it's gonna it's gonna be massive and like right now there's the online circuit starts today there's a 2,500 the next week win starts. And then there's also, I think the U S poker open is in March as well. And then also in March, there's uh, the first live circuit in Las Vegas since COVID started um, the Bally circuit. There's also an Orleans series. There's just like the next month and a half here is insane. It's ridiculous. So, so, you know, as somebody who lives in Vegas, uh, like, how do you, you know, how do you sort of differentiate? How do you decide which ones you're going to play, which ones are just like going to take a break? Is it just sort of like up to your own schedule or are there ones yeah, you actually set aside and be like. Generally just up to my, my general schedule, but honestly, like I usually prioritize win stuff because I really want to win trophy. Um, <laughs> I usually prioritize bigger binds as well. Um, 
the online stuff, it just depends. Like there's this online circuit and, you know, playing online and live at the same time can be dicey at times. So for that, it just like, it's a, like today's circuit event. I probably won't play it unless it's a turbo, which it actually might be. I think usually the Friday or Saturday events, a turbo, if it's a turbo, I'll play it. But like, I did, I just like playing like a larger buy-in and then playing online at the same time. If it's like, you know, one of the multi flight 600s, I don't care, but if it's like a 2k or something, I'm just going to focus on live. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I would say I tend to focus on higher good value stuff like the U S poker open stuff. I'm not going to play any of it. It clashes too much with like really good 800, to three Ks. So like, why would I play it? But like, you know, if anytime, like if I have an option to play like a 400 or a 1600, I'm almost always playing the 1600, um, essentially zero exceptions. Right. Right. And speaking of just kind of continuing on, I was going to ask this later, yep. but continuing on the Vegas theme, uh, you know, the last time we spoke with you, you were talking about getting ready to gear up for the for the WSOP, which was in town in the fall. Yep. Um, we're kind of still waiting with bated breath for the schedule to come. And, you know, hopefully it's going to come soon because we're all trying to figure out. I mean, Kevin Matt said next week. So. Did he? Oh, that's yeah. good. That's good to hear. All right. Cool. So, seems pretty um, likely. But what what do you you know what are your thoughts on the the upcoming summer what you know like what's in store with us the new new place new venue is this a good thing I, is this a bad thing I think thing? it'll be great I yeah. think it'll be great um the the one thing that I personally am going to dislike about it is my fa- favorite restaurant is this Japanese place called Izakaya Go and it's right by the Rio and even on the hour long dinner breaks I could go from the Rio get there order eat get back and have like five ten minutes to spare always. So I never had an issue eating there and now I'm never going to be able to eat there. <laughs> like I didn't do that dinner break all the time, but like, you know, maybe I did it once or twice a week, um, which, you know, that's the one thing, but like, honestly, besides for that, every other aspect of it is better. Like the venue will be a lot bigger. It's nicer and newer. It's better kept up to date. Um, I feel as though WSOP will also do things like maybe get better chairs for the most part <laughs> of using those same shitty ones. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Being at a new venue, we might actually have new chairs and updated stuff a little bit. Um, I feel as though the layout in general is going to be better. Um, I also like the food options. Like at the Rio, what, you had like technically, what, seven options? Yeah. On the strip, like within a 15-minute walk from Bally's on dinner break, you're going to have like 200 plus options minimum. And a decent number of them you'll be able to use points at, or it's like the outside spots or like, and honestly, there's a lot of like incredible food options there too. So it's just like, I feel as though like dinner breaks and stuff in general will be better. The only thing that might be a little annoying is leaving is going to be kind of a pain when like a tournament's done and everyone's leaving at the same time. At the Rio, I feel as though you had like enough exit points that, and if you like, you could beat the rush and get out in time and wouldn't be too bad feels up at Bally's. I would say parking at that main garage would probably be a mistake. So like, I'm almost never going to park there. I'm just going to like park either across the street or do whatever. So I feel as a parking, you'll might have to be a little bit more creative than what you were at the Rio, but like beyond that, I feel as a like, and even then I feel as a parking still going to be better, like more options. Um, There's like so many places within a 10 minute walk from there that, yeah, you're, I really think in like, I mean, maybe I'm going to be wrong, but I, I, I really do yeah. think it's overall, it's going to be a very good change. Yeah. The other thing I'm kind of excited. I mean, all, all, I think we're going to get new chips too, right? Cause oh, like all the yeah, chips had Rio on them. So there's, they've got to come out with like a whole new lineup of chips. Yeah, that's true. And like one, 
honestly, the one of the chipsets I dislike the most is the one they've been using the most often at the recent series. They're the, the like kind of plasticky. They're li- they're really slippery. It's so easy to knock over stacks and stuff with. They just feel like fake and cheap, and it doesn't like it's not a nice experience. Um, and it really like it makes like when they're using them for like 1100s and 1500, like 1Ks and 1500s there, it makes it not feel like it's a WSOP event. And I know it's like kind of a weird thing, but I don't know. I feel so like the quality of the chipset says a lot about the type of quality of the event. It does. I mean, yeah. I think that's that's part of the mystique of it, right? And right. it's part of the like the whole thing. I, I can't believe they're not gonna like try to sell sets of the old ones, like put bullet holes through them or something. And like like that that is your that's in your merchandise yeah. section next year. And I think it'll it, it, that would sell big, but anyway. Yeah, I'm sure it'd do pretty well. Yeah, no. I, I I hope you're right that they do new chips, not just like repurposing the old ones or whatever um, they'll say rio they, on them they yeah can't. i mean i don't know yeah, maybe also, they could I mean, but i bet with it being like the horseshoe now like uh in in a month month of it, it it'll still be bally circuit but i think once that circuit ends is like when it's switching over i think it's switching over in like april or may and when it switches over i mean i why wouldn't they have plans to have horseshoe chip right. sets and everything so so yeah, well, I hope that's right. I wanted to kind of get into some LPP stuff, but the one other yep. question I had to kind of catch up on our, our last conversation. Um, when we last left you, uh, you had said that your goal over the next couple of years was to become the number one ranked uh, money winner in Minnesota history. How is the grind going? How uh, How is that goal? Uh, like I'm how- very close. Yeah. Blake Bond's got to watch out. I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm right behind him. Uh, I am... Uh, three hundred and fifteen thousand. Wow, four hundred dollars off. Wow, wow. What? That's one big score, I so, guess. Right? Yeah, it's like, like a win. Like if yeah. I win this twenty five hundred, I'd be like really close. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, and honestly, just in the next, really, just in the next month, assuming I fire one entry and everything. I mean, I'm playing at minimum like 50,000 in binds in the next month, but honestly, I could play as much as 150K in binds in the, for live in the next month and a half. So between that and then the World Series, I'll probably play another 200K. Yeah. So if I just break even between now and the end of the series, I'll catch up with them, assuming he, and he really hasn't been playing much live. Um, That's been kind of the nice thing is that the people above me, I was just steadily catching up on them since right, none of them right. really play live as much. I think Blake's like last cash, was yeah his last live cash was uh two months ago two and a half months ago the mspt and then his one before that was looks like it was pre-covid so he really hasn't been playing at all at least not live so yeah yeah, I mean, I we've, like we've, my chances of catching up this yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, we've had Blake on the show. He's a friend of the show, but uh, definitely cheered for you on that. It's a really uh, great goal. And all, yeah, it's been a goal of mine since I start, since my first live cash has been a goal of mine. Wow, sure. wow, wow. That's ambitious to start from the first live yeah. cash. That's amazing. Um, okay, well, let's talk about LPP. Like, what's 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 new at LPP? Uh, Learn Pro Poker, for those of you who are kind of first-time listeners. Uh, what's, what's new at uh, Learn Pro Poker? Um, so... We've teamed up with Daro Kearney um, and um, Barry, I'm blanking out his last name, Barry. Uh, Carter? Uh, you, that's it, Carter, yes. Yeah. So, but we've teamed up with Daro Kearney. Um, I think Daro is like one of the best in the industry with ICM. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure for satellites, 
He's one of the winningest satellite players. I think the only person I can think of that probably has maybe won more in satellites are like um, George 95 on stars back in the day. Like there's a couple guys that were like Singo regs that play the Singo hyper satellites. Those guys have probably won more, but in terms of like scheduled tournament satellites, I'm, I think Dara is either the biggest winner or one of the biggest winners. But on top of that, um, he also has a, a great book that focuses on ICM. Um, it's called, uh, he, so he has, a, he has a satellite course, a satellite book and a satellite course. It's actually on Learn Pro Poker. And then he also has his uh, ICM book. I want to say it's like Final End, Table. Endgame, right? Isn't yeah, Endgame. End game? Yeah. yeah, that. So I've gone through the book. Um, I really enjoy it. I like him as a person. I think he's a great player. But also they put a lot of work into like the math and theory that goes into ICM. And that's something that I didn't really know myself. And as I did for the post-op content that I'm doing for ICM content is if I'm not great at something, I don't want to just like put it out and be like, hey guys, this is good stuff. I want to first learn from people that I think are some of the best in the industry and work with them to provide content that I actually think is top quality. Because if I'm not providing top quality, you know, what am I doing? Like, I don't see a point to it. I don't want to just push out shovelware. So well, we teamed up with Dara. Um, and honestly, essentially what I'm doing is I'm going through his book and taking out content from that and going, oh, hey, this stuff's really good. This is where we're starting point. This is what we need to work on. And then I'm just building videos based around that with his input. So I'll essentially, I'll make up the video based off his book. I'll put some of my own little twists on it, my own explanations behind things, verify with him that I'm explaining it right, that I understand it correct, and then pushing it out as as, as the newer content. Um, and I feel as though that it's A, helping my game out a lot, which is great. And then B, I get to provide new content for people that I feel as it will also help out their game a lot. And then as well, since some of the post-flop content that we had on LPP um, was pre-RTP having this much bigger uh, Range Trainer Pro, having this much bigger database. Now we have like 130 spots fully solved or something like that. So I'm now using RTP to build out more of our post-flop content as well. So I'm doing more post-flop theory videos. Um, you name the type of situation, I'm, I'm adding it. And then we're doing ICM content as well. And I feel as though both of this style of content is the stuff that's really been missing from LPP in terms of our theory side of things. Um, so I'm really happy that I'm finally at the point where I can kind of, you know, quote unquote, finish getting at least a little bit of everything on the site. Um, really, and really that's been my goal from day one is to make sure we have really high level at top of the line, top of the industry content that covers every aspect of the game. So someone that's like a newer to poker, but has, you know, done a little bit of studying, um, has a little bit of uh, foundation already built, can hop on the site and work on every aspect of their game, do so quickly and easily, not feel lost at all. Like there's not an overwhelming amount of videos. Everything's very well structured and built from the ground up. Um, And that's really been my goal from day one is just building good high level structured content that's easy to to go step by step by step on and 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 for for sort of, sort of our listeners who maybe aren't as familiar with with ICM can you kind of just even walk us back a little and just kind of like explain like what what is it what even is i mean i'm sure a lot of people have heard of it but what even is it how does it impact your game so ICM playing? is called the independent chip model um and what it does is it gives a value to your chip stack based off of where you're likely to finish so let's say there's uh let's say you have a final table and 
first place is 10,000, second place is 7,000, third place is 5,000. So 10, 7, 5, and you have three people left. They each have equal chip stack. They're, the value of their stacks are going to be equal. It's going to be, uh, it's probably going to be plus two, plus three. So it's like each person's stack is going to be worth like, I don't know, 7,500 bucks, give or take, uh, right around there. And because of that, when, uh, because there's like a decent amount of player pool up first, but it isn't all of the money, that means when someone does pick up a chip lead, they're not gaining an equal amount of chips relative to the dollar value. So let's say instead of having three equal stacks, you have someone that has half the chips in play, then two people that each have 25% of the chips in play. You know, that person that now has half the chips in play didn't all of a sudden like lock up getting first place right, and right. gain. Cause like if their stack at 33% was worth 7,500 bucks, their stack now that gained half its value isn't all of a sudden worth more than first place. It's not worth 11 K right. it's just worth, it's not even worth close to 10 K. Like it's only worth like probably 8,500 or $8,700 right around there would be my guess. And that's what we use ICM to do is like, okay, so if, I go from a middling stack to chip lead. Well, sure, I'm quote unquote doubling here. What am I actually gaining in value? And again, the reason why this happens is because you don't get every dollar in the tournament when you win a tournament. You just get X percentage of the prize pool. So technically that last chip you earn is actually worth, depending on how much goes to first, but it's going to be worth anywhere between one-tenth and one quarter of what the original first chip you earned was um so if first place is 25 percent of the prize pool then that last chip you earn is only worth 25 percent of an original chip so the initial chips you get are worth a lot at the start and then as you get closer and closer to um first the bubble and then you get closer and closer to each different pay jump and especially the final table bubble and then each final table pay jump ICM gets worse and worse and worse. So when ICM is a wor- is the absolute worst and has the biggest impact on your decisions are nearing the money and then nearing the final table. So on the fi- final table bubble in the early stages of the final table, ICM is really bad. And right before the money bubble, ICM is really bad. It, how bad it gets? Uh, let's, say, let's say you're playing a really big field tournament. Like let's say you're playing, say, um, the big 500 at the World Series. And you're pretty close to the money, maybe say you're 10 people away from money and something like that. It might pay like, you know, a thousand places or whatever. Right. So when you're 10 people away, you're going to cash in like an orbit less. Probably you're going to cash in like four hands. So let's say you're in that spot and you have pocket. We'll say pocket queens under the gun on five big blinds. Pretty much everyone would go, oh, yeah, go all in easy shove five bigs, Mm -hmm. pocket queens, just rip it in. I'm pretty sure ICM is just a fold and it's not even like a close decision either. It's like definitely a fold. Well, and actually, I mean, this is a, this is a really good segue to something that's maybe a more concrete example of this. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a hand that, that I, I want to kind of ask your opinion on this is a hand okay. that I posted in our forums um, and it, and it kind of goes right into ICM spot. Sure. And the reason I'm asking you is not to get free coaching, but really because uh, our community was just wildly divided on this in okay. terms of like some people were saying, this is an absolute snap fold. What are you doing to this is an absolute snap call. How could you not, you know? And that, yeah. and I think there was everything in between, but it was like wildly divergent. Okay. 
So okay. here, here's here's the situation. Um, we're and and I think part of this is the idea of like taking theory and then going into context. Yep. So let me give you the context. Mm-hmm. Um, we are in a uh, an ACR tournament, mm-hmm. um, th- and we're on hand for hand. So okay, uh, there are forty six left. Forty five get paid. Okay, we're sitting pretty good. We've got we're fifteenth out mm-hmm. of the 46 left. Um, we've got a stack of 31 big blinds. So we're doing pretty well. Uh, Do you know how many big blinds Chip Leader has? Chip like Leader, if you doubled had, up. Uh, Chip Leader had 78 or nine. So if you double up your like top three chip. Yeah, top three chips if I double okay. up. Um, and and for also for context, there are five stacks that are under five big blinds. So okay. there's, there's people who are it's we're, yeah. we're getting down to it. There's going to be yeah. some busts. Now here's the context. So I think there that we could talk about what you would do in this situation. Uh, just, I assume min cash is like 1.8 to two X. Yes. Yep. Okay. Yep. It's a, it's a, uh, it was a, I satellited in, it's a two fifteen buy-in and it's a four fifteen yep. uh, min okay. cash. And yep. there's 12, 12 and a half K up top. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So here's the situation. We have an absolute uh, maniac at our table who okay. has been abusing the bubble. Uh, they have, uh, they're just on this orbit. They, well, they've already gone in four times. Mm-hmm. One of the times they were called by pocket Queens and they had queen four offsuit okay. and it came straight, uh, ace King Jack 10. So they chopped, right? So they're still sitting yeah. at the same stack, although okay. they've been chipping up a little. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's the context. They're sitting in the small blind. We are in the cutoff. We have 31 big blinds. They have 30 and a half big blinds. Okay. So we cover them, but barely. Wait, oh, you do cover? And cover you said you're by, in... I cover by half a big blind versus this. How many players are at your table? Uh, there are seven. I okay, so you could probably fold three more hands before we're getting forced all in. Oh no, no, we're we have thir- we're 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 never. I mean, we're not getting forced all in because we're we've got. No, 30... I'm saying you cover them by half a big blind, right? Correct. Right. So then you'd be able to play three more hands before you're in the big blind. If, right. if you lose this hand. Right. 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 Okay. Okay. So um uh we have ace queen offsuit yep. folds to us. We min open. Yep. Uh maniac jams. The reason I didn't there's been some conversation, should I shove? But behind the small blind is uh a 50 big blind stack, and I just yep. thought it would be a disaster to jam and get called by the yeah, big you don't blind want to open shove there. Right. So that was one of the comp, but I don't think that's right. So I min open for two big blinds. Maniac, as we ex- probably expected, jams, folds back to us. So first of all, I'd probably actually 2.5x open. I might okay. even pull 3x. Um, the reason why is because you're so, okay. So when we're like min opening, we're, we're min opening as a general rule of thumb, or technically you're supposed to like 2.1x is like right. theory. Um, two point, I think at 30, it's like 2.1 or 2.15. Um Maybe it's like 20, maybe 30 is 2.2. Yeah, I want to say 30 is 2.2. Below 30, it's like 2.15 is what we have set up for RTP, something like that. Um, whether it's, but t- typically like when you're opening small, you're opening small because you want to play a lot of hands. Right. But when you're playing a really tight, really strong range, you generally just want to open bigger, general rule bump, just because your, your entire range wants to build pots. So I would be 2.5xing because our opening range here is so strong. Like, okay. you know, like if you have ace nine there, it's like, eh, do we want to open this? Right. You right, have right. like 
King 10 as well. If you have like sixes, like your opening range there. So pure theory, your opening range there. Uh, so 30 bigs, you said from cutoff. Yep. Cutoff. Uh, that's like what? 35% of hands, give or take. Uh, yeah. 34.27% of hands. Uh-huh. But in actuality, I'd be opening like, you know, 15. Per- I'd be opening as on like early position. I'd, yeah. Yeah. Right. I would essentially be opening like 15% of hands, like ace 10 plus king jack plus. Like, you, yeah, to go back go to that question, you would do that regardless of whether there was the maniac or because of the maniac, uh, just because it's a bubble and because there's a big stack in the big blind okay. that covers you, right? Because, like, you like them folding is a win, so if them folding is a win, then like let's make it a size where they actually fold. And like, it's not like us minning tells them how, like, us 2.5x versus us minning doesn't really tell them how strong our range is, sure, because they're going to be aware of the fact that we're opening super strong, anyways. So you just want to go really big. And honestly, I'd be completely and totally okay with full 3X here. I think it's completely okay. fine. Okay. The only issue with opening bigger is that Maniac, when they push, you're getting slightly better odds and you're you know more forced into calling off. Um, whether or not this is a call. So the fact that you can play, play and fold three more hands makes me way more inclined to call. It's such a small thing, but it matters a lot because that's still three more opportunities for someone else to bust and you to cash. So if you call off and lose here, you're not immediately bubbling. You still have an opportunity to cash. On top of that, the fact that you have a medium stack is way better than if, say, you had a short stack. Uh So let's say you had like 20 big blinds. Going from 20 bigs to 40 bigs isn't really that great. So if you had 20 bigs, I would just open jam. Um, Just you don't want to induce a shove. But at 30 bigs, when you open and get shoved on, I mean... Your worst case scenario versus player, because you said they're like that ridiculous and you gave like that queen four off combo, they're uh, like if they had like say ace eight off, it wouldn't shock me. They had like an ace four suited, it wouldn't shock me. They had like a sixes, it wouldn't shock me, or fives. Um, they had like a king queen off, um, I would or like a king jack suited. That's essentially like I'd give them like 14% of hands, and this is like a really loose range. And they're also probably actually just three betting aces, kings, maybe even queens. Um, but we can remove like aces and kings from their range. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're probably you're just going to be in like such great shape here. Yeah, 57%, which is just, you know, you're just killing it here. Um, you you need like what probably 46, 47%. I mean, plus 10%, plus you're you're not going to bubble when you stack off. And you're going to get moved into top three. Also, the fact that's only 45 places paid. Let's say it was like 200 places paid. I actually think it's a fold. Um, and I don't really think it's that close because at 200 places paid, going from 30 bigs to 60 bigs would be nice, but you're not like a top, you know, you'd be like a top 20 stack. Right, right. It's not like your top three. And then on top of that, 45 places paid is going to have a larger percentage of the player pool up top. You know, it's going to have 25% up top instead of, you know, 200 places paid is going to have like 18% up top. And on top of that, there's also pay jumps coming up pretty quick that are going to be a decent amount bigger. And if you have a bigger stack, that's going to be really, really good for you to be able to top 27, top 18, top 15, top 12, Mm -hmm. final table. So yeah, I would, I would stick it in. My guess though, is that it's only a stack off because we know that they can be ridiculous here. Right, like they right. could show up with something absurd. Um, if if we didn't know that for sure, I think it's a fold. Like if I had, like if you hadn't told me about a queen four offhand, um, 
like if you hadn't said specifically that they're a crazy maniac because like their three bet shove range, I think based off ICM, I think in actuality, they should probably only jam like maybe like ace 10 plus, maybe like eights plus aces kings. Right, right. So like, I think versus their actual, sh- like what their shove range should look like, you're only making a couple of percentage points, probably running like plus three to 5% chip equity, depending on exactly how tight it is. And that's probably breaking even or losing money dollar EV. I think when you can run like plus 10% versus them and, and also, so let's say, let's say you had half of a big blind less and they covered you. It's probably super close, but I think the fact that you cover them by, even though it's only three hands, the three extra hands, I think matter enough that I think it's a, a pretty clear stack off, but like without it, I would say it's, it's a stack off, but it's close. And I would say without the information you provided before of them having some pretty ridiculous hands and spots, I would say it's a clear fold. And so that, that was part of the, the conversation. And I sort of like, I, I kind of want to pick your brain about like, how do we yep. take these theory spots that are like mm-hmm. these things that, that maybe we see a chart or we learn like, you know, ICM, you're supposed to fold a lot or whatever, and then apply it to sort of context, like these exploits about how people are playing. Like for instance, I, I'll just kind of expand on this. Some of the conversation revolved around some people in our community saying if this player shoved and then flipped over jack seven of clubs right like that that they would still fold because of the situation and i think like that's part of the conversation like that i'm i that i was trying to like tease out from people and i'm kind of curious about your thoughts on like well how you I mean, approach this there we would have a 14 percent edge or 12%, 14% above what we would need chip equity, a 14% edge is massive, 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 massive. So like you can pass on a 14% edge in like the most extreme of ICM situations, which this actually isn't that. And the reason why this specific situation isn't that is because it's 45 places paid because we're going from a medium stack to one of the chip leaders. Those two factors means ICM matters less because we're way more likely to top three the tournament. So essentially, even though our stack right now has a lot of utility, doubling up, we gain a lot of value. We gain a lot of equity. So I would say, let's say here, when you like double up, you don't 2x your, your stack value, you like 1.8 exit, 1.85 exit. So you near double it, but you don't quite double it. And when you're when you go from like, say, let's say you go from like 20 bigs to 40 bigs here. You probably only like 1.7 exit or 1.65 exit. But here, because you're a bigger stack and you're going to double up into one of the chip leaders, I think you do pretty close to double your stack, 1.85 to like 1.95 your 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 value when you when you get all in and, and double up. And to me, that's like that's what matters. Uh to like to to take to take like a static range. So this is where like studying poker is useful but isn't the end all be all is you can watch videos and look at charts and do all these other things but unless you understand all of the context that goes into every decision you're not going to have a really good grasp as to what you're supposed to do in this spot so like although honestly i think this spot is pretty clear like if you just put this into like hrc and put in every payout mm-hmm. and put in every stack and you ran it it would just say it's a call off yeah, it, um, it definitely does. I've done, I've run yeah. that and it definitely does. Yeah. So this bot actually is pretty simple in that it's just, Hey, it's correct. Here's actually, I, I actually had a really cool 
kind of IC, ICM adjacent spot. It's a mixture of ICM plus situation. Um, last So last week, or on, not even last week, five days ago, I final table 1100 um, at the Venetian, took eighth. Um, but this, this tournament had like 21 people paid, and this was 40 people left. And my table draw is, uh, to my left, is fun player, fun player, fun player, extreme fun player with a massive stack, another fun player, and then it's elite pro, uh, pro, pro. So to my right, I have three pros, one of whom is elite, and then to my left, it's all fun players. Um, and I've got pretty good like, if you could get it right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I've got so I've got a really good position here. Um, I raise ace jack suited on. 35 big blinds from MP1, full to the small blind, who's the elite pro who goes all in for 21 big blinds. Ace Jack suited is a snap call theory. It's not even close. Like it just, it, the call probably makes, it probably makes like 1.5 to two big blinds. So it makes like, it's like a plus seven percentage, give or take, plus five to like 8%, somewhere around there. And I still fold it. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I fold it is because a, if I call off, I lose my stacks utility. Um, I go from very nice stack, above average, chipping up pretty nicely, to bl- well below average and you know in, in a pretty dicey spot. But our table is really soft and it's not breaking. Right. And that really, really, really soft player has a lot of chips. And it's going to be really easy for me to win big pots from them. That's actually what ended up happening. As I pass on this spot... Um, Couple orbits later, I went a decent sized pop off of him. I was able to afford to take a flip that I got forced into. And then I cool, uh, got coolered, but drilled Ace King versus Kings. And then after, like, I chipped back up to where I'd been, I then busted the, the fun player. And me passing on the spot enables me a much higher likelihood to play with these softer players on my left, but especially that really fun player. Let's say instead, though, of me having this really, really soft table, said I had a really difficult table, the exact same spot. I snap it off. Hmm. And that's like, to me, that's like a part of context that can be difficult for most people to realize why it matters and to the degree that it matters. So like pure theory, me folding a shack suit there is I made a clear mistake, quote unquote. But in the context of the situation... I don't think it's a mistake at all. And I would say that calling off to me would actually be a clear mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, if I days queen there, it's actually a call because I gain an extra like 4%. And that's mm-hmm. such a massive edge. But like, it's those like differences that can be the different, that can really make a huge impact. So like the fact that this is a 215 on ACR, the fact that this is a more difficult tournament, I'm way more willing to take this type of situation, even though you satellite it in. Because like if if you're not willing to like take a spot like this near the bubble, you shouldn't satellite into this term at all. Right, 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 Min right. caching matters that much too. Um, you should like see a very profitable situation and go, oh, I need to take this. Because when you're playing in really tough tournaments, you need to take every like realistically profitable spot unless your table is like really soft. Mm-hmm. Um, so like this tournament I'm playing today, it's a twenty five hundred. I get a table draw today where I'm just like playing as theory strong as possible, or I could get a table draw today where I'm passing on that ace jack suited spot. Um, and ICM is just another layer on top of these decision-making skills that we have to, you know, employ. So let's say, you know, in that same $1,100 decision, instead of it being 
you know, pretty close-ish to the money, but still a ways out. Let's say instead it was like registration just closed. I probably call it off. Hmm. Or let's say instead that like we just hit the money. I'm probably calling off because going from that 21 players paid to we're now close to the FT while our table soft is probably about to break. So then I have a lot less reasons to edge pass. Right. And it's this like give and take being able to comfortably analyze each factor that goes into your decision-making and then being willing to trust those instincts is what really can be the difference between someone being an okay player, a good player, a great player, one of the best. And like the players that are like really the best in the world can take all those factors into context correctly and apply it and do so comfortably. And there isn't really a quick, easy way for me to say, oh, hey, you just study this, you join LPP, you watch videos. No, you, you, I mean, you should do that. You should come right. to coaching sessions yeah. and do things like that. Like I have a weekly coaching session for LPP members and you can, we can discuss this type of stuff, but it's this constant playing, studying and discussion that that's how like this type of stuff can really enter your game well. But, and part, I think that's great. I like, and I think that part, part of what you're kind of speaking to though, is like, there's, there's the theory out there, but there's also this sort of like contextual piece that we have to overlay on that, whether yep. it's going for exploits or understanding our edges or understanding right. our, where we lack edges too, like, like right. where, where we're maybe behind and like that can help influence how much risk we want to take, how much variance we want to exactly. take on. Um, like in so, that field. Even I would be like, I'm probably not the best player in this field and my edge is probably questionable at best. So good luck me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like, that's an important thing to be able to realize and just, you know, go, Hey, this is a very tough tournament. Good luck. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Spin it up. Um, well, so, and I, I want to get into actually a little bit, uh, yep. change subjects a little bit, talk a little bit more about uh, LPP as well with the, the coach the, you mentioned the weekly coaching sessions. Yep. Um, everyone should uh, go check them out, go sign up for LPP, you can do it through the rec poker affiliate link. Um, I, I am a member as well. I, I attend uh, when I can, I attended last week. Nice. Um, and I think there was a really interesting conversation that came up uh, during that. Uh, you spoke about uh, there was a player, um, there, was, there was a session where one of the players played pretty much theoretically absolutely correct. Like it was mm-hmm. like this like spot where they kind of, t- and you sort of mentioned this is probably either a high stakes reg or somebody who's using RTA or real-time yep. assistance uh, sort of as part of that. And I'm, I, and, and during that you said, but you think that, that the industry is sort of, this is a problem in the industry. There are this, when you're going to play online, you have to realize that there are probably people who are doing this right now, yeah. but you think that the industry is starting to take some steps to, oh, to, yeah, to fix that. Yeah, so sure. what, can you talk a little bit more about what those are and how players can start to feel maybe like that the integrity of the game is going to start to be so more protected? Pretty much every company that I've spoken to is aware that it's an issue um, and is either already their security is like trying to figure out ways to detect the programs running and doing all these other things, or they're trying to figure out other means in terms to detect play. Um, And I actually can't really go too much into detail because one of the things that RTP is working on is actually combating this. Uh Um, But I know for a fact that companies are working on fixing this and that they are aware of it. Um, You know, the thing is, is that like, Things like bots and like these RTA tools take money out of the ecosystem that the sites don't want taken out. Um, And then on top of that, you know, they know that players care about 
the game integrity being as good as possible. And they also care about that to some degree as well. So they're highly incentivized to put work into fixing these issues. Um, And yeah, it definitely is a pretty massive issue, especially on like some of the gray market sites, like, Mm -hmm. especially like sites that don't allow like screen names, those can be some of the roughest. Um, I mean, yeah, a site like Ignition is still really soft, but it's just like, anytime a site isn't like really well equipped to handle this stuff, there's going to be like issues. Um, the, the, the main like sites tend to be pretty good about this stuff, but it's still certainly a problem, but I, I know it's one that's being worked on. Um, I would say like, I would say within the next few years, I'd expect it, even though the tools that like can make these things will get cheaper and better and easier to produce and yada, yada, yada. I think the tools to detect this type of cheating will way out past it to a very mm-hmm. significant degree. And it'll be less of an issue going forward because like the way to detect it is just based off of play, like yeah. based off of analyzing play and the tools to analyze that play are getting way better on the site side of things. Mm-hmm. So I, it's not something, it's something that right now is a serious issue, but I think will be less so down the road. Like right. with the next few years, I think it'll be way less of an issue. That's, that's good to hear. It's good to hear. Cause you know, it is, it is kind of scary to think about like you put all this work into try to study and try to get better. You yeah. know, you're making mistakes all the time. And then to know that you might be up against somebody who's just not. Is yeah. Who's just of, clicking buttons and yeah. being told what to click. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. It's definitely a frustrating thing. Um, but that's also one of the nice things about live. Like, I mean, I love playing live, but yeah. also it's just like, it's a lot harder to cheat live. You definitely still can, but it's way more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only times I'm ever really concerned about cheating is like some of those small high stakes fields where people might have swaps and might be colluding or doing things like that. But for the most part, it's just like, it's it's so much tougher to, yeah. to cheat live that it's just like, it's not a, really a concern. Yeah, no, no, I, I yeah, you feel much more comfortable in sort of a live environment you can just see what's happening you can see your opponent all those kinds in a of casino things. in a casino home right. games yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah in a casino i'm not really right, concerned right, about it right well i you know i don't want to take up uh, too much this is this kind of this has been a really great conversation but t- t- tell me tell me what's you know what's next for you what's what's coming up uh, well a month this? and a half of grinding live and yeah. hopefully putting up some big results month and a half of trying to catch up with blake um but yeah like LPP work, RTP stuff, of course, the Range Trainer Pro and Learn Pro Poker stuff. Uh, Range Trainer Pro, we're just steadily building and growing our database. Like I said, we have like 140 spots fully solved. Um, our tree is one of the best in the industry. It's solved the 0.5% exploitative, which is the industry top standard. Um, and we're also one of the cheapest products. Learn Pro Poker is also one of the cheapest learning programs on the market. Mm-hmm. So Get, yeah. If you want to work on your game, get LPP. If you want to really work on your game and try to become, you know, a good winning mid to high stakes player, Range Trainer Pro and similar type of tools are a necessary requirement. At this yeah, point. and I, I would if you're say not doing yeah, solver work, you're way behind. This other thing about uh, other thing about Range Trainer Pro, which I really appreciate, which I don't think I've maybe it exists elsewhere because I'm I'm not familiar with all the tools. But speaking of RTA. Uh, your your post flop solutions have this time delay on them, which yep. I think is is awesome. It's just like it's not that annoying to, to wait for it, but yeah. it's just like it it makes it so you can't do it while you're playing live, which yeah, is just awesome. Exactly. Yeah, that's so. one of the most important things to us. Um, it's something that I really had to hammer into our dev that yeah, you could have like these other things running to try to detect or see how often people are using it, but the only way to truly prevent cheating is that is a time delay. 
And yeah, it makes it a little bit slower to use, but you can also use the non-delay mode. So let's say I pick a spot and then I pick uh, no delay mode. I can filter down to, as long as it's like 20 or more flops, it'll mm-hmm. just randomly pick a flop. Right, right. So I, I can can't just, just pick me. the exact spot, but I can kind of, I can do it quicker if I want yeah, to. Yeah, you well. can pick yeah. like, like I just picked hijack first button and picked, you know, set the filters down to like 25 different flops and it just threw one at me and it was right. immediate. So right. instead of having that 20 second delay, I get access to it immediately, which the reason why we actually put that in is as our training tool gets better for post-flop, you'll be able to immediately study spots by picking up to 20 unique situations or more. And it'll just throw spots at you. Um, it's still, a our tool is still like, in terms of like both sides, one of the best on the market in terms of being able to pick exact situations because we solve for all 1,755 unique flops. So if you just, if you don't mind waiting the 20 seconds and you want to see an exact spot, then you, then you can do so. And honestly, if I try to, based off of our tree, excuse me, based off of our tree, if I tried to pick an exact situation and run it in PO2, um, instead of waiting 20 seconds, I would have to wait. Yeah. <laughs> it'd probably take an hour or more right. on right. my computer. Yeah. And actually my computer, uh, it actually, I think I only have 32 gigs on my computer. Maybe I have 64 now. I don't remember if I have 32 or 64. If I have 32, it actually <clears throat> wouldn't be able to, excuse me. <clears throat> if I have only 32, which is still a lot, it wouldn't actually be able to run the tree at all. So if I had 64 gigs of RAM, it'd probably take an hour to run the spot. And to me, 20 seconds, a little bit less yeah. than an hour. Yeah, I know. I mean, it, it, regardless of how long, you know, if you have to wait 20, 25 seconds, you're still saving hours and hours of time. Yeah. Plus somebody who's really thought about these spots and really thought about the trees. Yeah. Sort of that's doing that, all that well. work for you, right? Because that's 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 the art of these solvers, right? It's yeah. Like, it's They're just a calculator. So whatever you put into it, you're going to get the answers based on that. And if right. you put in a bad question, you're going to get bad answers. Right. Um, right. And that matters a lot. Like some of the products that are out there um, really aren't very good because their trees are either too complex. Um, they have like, you know, 10 sizes every right. street, which is not good. You need to, you need to study off of something that you can actually use in right. game, which right. the tree that I built is very robust, but it's simple enough that I'm thinking about what the spots look like and why all the time. Like today I expect my table to draw to be tough enough that I'm just going to be playing as fundamentally strong as I possibly can and using that as a means to, you know, to do well in this field. Um, but yeah, so working on the site stuff has been good. Um, RTP is also, we're in the process of possibly a pretty big deal, um, that I can't really talk about. So Ooh, that's been a lot of work and next, really next time. Yeah. Well, hopefully, <laughs> um, we'll see. Um, but yeah, we'll, uh, it's been like a lot of company stuff happening. Um, and while my own play has been, I keep making these deep runs and final tables, like in December, I final table to 5k, but you know, when you take fourth and the difference between fourth and first is $190,000 yeah, not, not the best. Where the ICM um, comes in, yeah. right? <laughs> it's yeah. Really well, hard. actually they're less ICM, uh, well, very right, top right. heavy, very right, top right, heavy. Right. Fair enough. Super top heavy. Um, but yeah, I keep making a lot of deep runs, keep knocking on the board. Um, but just got to grind through it putting hard work. You know, one, one of the things about poker these days, um, and actually some friends of mine were having a really good, good discussion about this yesterday. Um, 
buddy of mine was saying how it's kind of nice how back in the day there weren't all these solvers and study tools and you could kind of just like figure things out on your own and that's what everyone else was kind of doing but to me back then who you surrounded yourself with mattered a lot because right. you needed to bounce your ideas off other people and see what everyone else is doing. You need to be posting on forums and reading and like staying caught up in like that fashion. These days you can just join a good training site. You can just <laughs> use a good study tool like RTP and that's it. You just do it on your own. Yeah. Like yeah. you like once you like put in a lot of the base work, you get uh, something like ICMizer and HRC you can just study and do a lot of this stuff on your own and just grind through it. And a lot of like poker these days, like if you're just willing to work hard, yeah, surrounding yourself with good people will help a lot as well. But if you're just willing to work hard and grind the, you know, the world's your oyster. And, and, and also as well, then like the next few years for online poker in the U S are going to be some of the best years ever, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially like the next 10 years. I, I do strongly believe the next few years are, um, like multi-state compact should happen this year. Yep. yep. Going to get a lot of on- new online companies popping up as well, or companies that were only international, they're going to be in the U S as well. So if you're living in the U S and you're in a state that's just legalized online or is in the process of doing so close soon, Minnesota yeah. may be close. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm I mean, looking with, forward to it. So there's a pretty big uh, memo posted like five, six months ago by Caesars. Um, they essentially stated within the next five years, there will be 30 legal online states with wow. gambling. Wow. And most of those are going to have poker. And if the multi-state compact does start this year, which it probably will, or next year at the latest, you know, we'll probably have within five years, 20 to 30 states with legal online poker in yeah, they, one compact. They uh, kind of cleared some legal hurdle with that, I read. Right? Yeah, like, the Wire like, Act. Yeah, yeah the right. Wire Act, really. So, so that's great. If you're just now getting into the game and, you know, want to really enter the industry, I think now is a good time to do it. Honestly, um, games are still, you know, a little tougher and you definitely have to work hard, but if you're willing to work hard and you're passionate about it, I mean, it's, you know, it's definitely not a bad time. Right, um, right. You definitely, but key, 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 hard work and discipline. If you're not doing that stuff, you're just con- like, that's one of the, the tough things about the industry, but also honestly, one of the good things as well is that like, even if you are working somewhat hard, studying hard and, you know, playing somewhat hard, if you're not doing everything else right as well, the game and industry will still just eat you up. I'm not right. like, this isn't by no means, is this an industry where I'd be like, Hey, you should quit your pretty well-paying job and come play poker. No, don't do that. Yeah, yeah, terrible. Yeah. Yeah. But like, if this is what you really, 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 really want to do for a living and you're in a position in life to like take a shot at it and you're willing to work really hard and you're willing to grind through all the pain, downswings, and everything else. Sure, it's possible. Yeah. I'm not saying you should do it, but right. it's right. not it's not impossible these days. If anything, I would say right now is the best it's been in a very long time, and it's going to steadily get better. And while the last handful of years, while you know the grind has been pretty tough at times, and while the industry has certainly you know been going through some struggles, you know, honestly, I'm glad that like I was forced to toughen up and mm. battle through the lean times because now that there's going to be a lot more money in the industry and the games will be a lot bigger a lot better there'll be a lot more option legal options to play online oh there should be you know some really really good opportunities coming up and i feel as i'm pretty well situated for it as well as every pro that's been grinding through you know the tough lean times so i'm looking I, forward to things i you know I, I just brought up one more question i don't want to keep you yeah, all day ahead, but, but one more question like 
it, I've heard you talk a lot. In fact, in your coaching sessions, you've talked mm-hmm. a lot about how how much that you know you've looked at that variance calculator. How much sort of tournament play can really you know catch up with you? You can you can be doing everything right and still be yep. you know in Being a downswing crushed. or whatever. Yeah. I'm curious. Do you recommend that players play a mix of cash and tournaments to sort of balance that out, or how, what are, so what are your thoughts on My suggestion is either you have a very very large bankroll for the games that you're playing, and you can handle losing for six months plus. That you can handle, you know, paying your bills and downswinging at the same time, no problem for for long extended time periods. Or you have side income coming in, so passive okay. income of some kind, you know, investments that pay dividends, you know, businesses, you know, have or doing things like grinding cash, like have some other sense of income coming in. Uh, most people that I know in poker, at least most people I know that play tournaments for a living, usually either have a massive bankroll and that's all they do is just play tournaments, or they have some other set of side income coming in, whether it's coaching or side gigs or whatever. Um, I feel as though that like, from a mental standpoint, it helps a lot because like, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm in a long extended downswing, like I have been, it doesn't matter as much because like, I know I'm going to pay my bills. So, you know, me doing well or not, it's mostly about ego. Like I want to do well. I want to be successful. I want to pass Blake bond. So like my ego really wants me to, you know, to put up results and get final tables and scores, but like, it's not going to change my day to day, whether I hit a score or not, it'll help. It'll be nice. Um, You know, I'm not saying it's going to do nothing, but like, it's not going to like make or break me. And when you're grinding, you need to be in that position. You need to either have side income coming in that's paying your bills, or you need to have enough of a big bankroll to hand, like to be able to lose for a year straight. So that's why my suggested bankroll for people that are playing tournaments for a living, uh, for online to have 500 average buy-ins as well as a year's living expenses. And I would say that that's the minimum. Hmm. I would say that's like a normal, like I would say that's the stone minimum. And right. really, I would suggest a thousand average buy-ins plus a year's living expenses hmm. um, for the stakes that you want to play. Um, and I would say for live, I would say at minimum a year's living expenses, but really sh- you should have two years living expenses as well as 200 average buy-ins or at least 150 average buy-ins. If you're at two years living expenses and 150 average buy-ins, I think you're going to be perfectly fine. <laughs> so like, you know, that's to me, that's always been like one of the hardest parts about tournament poker isn't playing well, although that's super difficult as well. It's just dealing with the swings yeah. and having the financial wherewithal to be able to play everything. And but that's also why people sell. You know, I still consistently sell the bigger things. I sold to this twenty five hundred. I'm I'm playing and I'm back. And like doing things like that means that like I can grind without stress, and that allows me to play so much better. Right. And if you put yourself in a switch situation where you're caring a lot about doing well and you need to do well it's when your game's going to fall apart it's when there's like and also the stress and stuff it's just it's not good for you and also it's just not a position you should ever put yourself into um so i would say that that stuff honestly is one of the most important aspects of the grind in general um and definitely something that anyone who wants to take poker seriously really needs to think about and be aware of and if you're like hey ryan you know i can't I don't have people that buy action or I don't have this bankroll to be able to do this. Well, build it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, this is like, if you're not willing to put in the work to do this stuff to, you know, build your bankroll or build your, you know, build your 
group of people, build your community that's willing to do this stuff or help you out or do whatever, then you're not in a situation to to seriously have a legitimate shot at being successful. I'm not saying like, yeah, there's plenty of people I know of that, you know, took these big shots and hit big scores and now have these big bankrolls, but they're also the same type of people that because they were willing to put themselves into those situations, they're also the type of people to dust off those bankrolls to no longer, you know, to give back all that success or to, you know, you hear about the success stories, but behind every success story, especially in poker, there's like 20 failures. Mm -hmm. And if you want to take it seriously, you have to put in the work in every aspect, you know, your poker game, your studying, your way from the table work, your discipline, your buy-ins, your everything needs to be in line. And even then it's not easy. Like you do everything correct and it's still difficult. It's just, you know, even though it has, you know, I've had my ups and downs and like this downswing has been not ideal by any means. It's honestly the worst downswing I've ever been into a decent degree too. I'm like at the bottom of it. Um, I still love it and I still love the grind and I'm like excited to play every tournament and excited to be there every day and studying a lot, working hard on my game. And if you can't be in that spot yourself, you're just way less likely to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's honestly, that's a great place to end too. Cause it's one of the, the, our favorite things talking to you is just like, you just, you're, you're just a great ambassador for this game. You just love this game. Um, And uh, we, we always love talking to you at rec poker. So I hope that uh, this next month brings you that win trophy. I hope we get a little shot of that. Um, I hope it brings you top of over Blake Bond. Although, you know, we love Blake, but we just, we, we, we're always cheering for you. So I'll at least make him keep, he's going to have to work hard. He's going to have to earn his keep. Yeah, Yeah. indeed, indeed. indeed. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. It's uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, Thanks everyone for listening. And I just want to always remind everyone, that our sponsors are uh, Running Aces Hotel Racetrack and Casino, as well as Website Amp. So until then, uh, we will see you next time. Thanks. See you, everybody.